And so, Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be here this morning to look into your word. I pray that you will guide me and direct me, help me to speak your word with clarity. I pray for insight and understanding for everyone. And I pray for rich blessing that Jesus alone will be seen. He alone will be exalted. He alone will be given all the glory. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, it's Mother's Day. And um, I understand that no man is poor who has a good mother. And mothers are special, really, really special. I have to say, and, um, <clears throat> um, for me, the most difficult, uh, the most traumatic experience that I've had in my life was the passing away of my mother. That's because mothers are special. I mean, I'm not a woman, so I'm not going to be a mother, but mothers are special. They give you certain treatments or certain ways like... Uh, Lord Wayne said this morning that uh, fathers can't do. So, guys, uh, mothers are special. They leave lots of impressions and uh, give you certain things to think about. So this morning I want to talk about courageous women in Moses' life. I want to be able to cover the scope of sisters, workers, Ministry help, wife, mothers, all of them are captured. Because they all play important roles in our lives. So hopefully we can capture that as we look together into the word of God. Um, you are going to help me start by using one or two words to describe Moses. When you think of Moses, I believe this is not broken Bible chapel. Bible is the underlining word. You know something about Moses. Not Moses the basketball player, but Moses in the Bible. One or two words that you can use to describe him. So help me. Leader. Leader. Okay. That's one word. Prince. Yeah. Everybody's is open. Eh? Meek, that's what he says. Moses was the meekest man. Check it out, Numbers chapter 12. <laughs> it's there, yeah. What else? Moody. What? <laughs> Moody, uh, and God used Moody people. So there is hope for everyone if you're in that category. Yeah, what else? A warrior. A warrior. All right. What? Advocate. And all of those things apply. That's why it's you. What One of two words. Are, there are no wrong or right answers when you think of Moses. Name the women that had a positive impact on Moses' life. Zipporah. Who is she? His wife. Okay. Who else? Pharaoh's daughter. 
Miriam, his mother. Who else? <laughs> oh, yeah. Anybody else? All right. I mean, you've named. You've named. I don't think you've exhausted it, but you've named some. But let's go on. Name notable women that Jesus said to be or will be remembered. The woman who anointed, he said, or feet with oil, yeah. That was a great act. Come on, come on. He's Mary. Mary, which Mary? Uh, Martha's sister. Did he? Notable women, or remember, it's not book Bible. It's this underlying. What's that? Queen of Sheba. Lot's wife. I want to challenge you to go back and read that because Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Go back and read that chapter. It's one of those things he left in our mind. As it was in the days of Lot. They were giving in marriage, they were doing all kinds of things and then until Lot was taken and then he dropped it in there. Remember Lot's wife. I plan to preach on Lot's wife someday. But it's good to go back and read Lot's wife. That's the second time she's mentioned in the Bible. So to be remembered. Because I believe our days are very much like the days of Lot. All right. You didn't think I would ask this, but there is singing and dancing in the Bible. Just in case you didn't know, you wonder it's uh, And this was singing and dancing in a good way. The first one. After crossing the Red Sea. After crossing the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 15. They were singing, and I'm sure they were doing this. That's why I'm thinking of John, right? They They were singing and dancing after crossing the Red Sea. And the emphasis of their theme song was the Lord, the Lord has done this, the Lord has done that, the Lord, the Lord. It was all praise to the Lord. So, and there was dancing too. Not just that, there were instruments too. The very first one. Let's give you one more. When David and the wife Yes. Okay. Uh, all right. This is true. Lots of singing and dancing in the Bible. And it's always associated with victory. And it's usually, you know, what happens is that we allow the world to corrupt what is good in the Bible. And then we say, okay, because the world has corrupted, we condemn it. When the Lord blesses us, it calls for hearts of praise, joy, and thanksgiving, and dance. All right, the last question for you. 
Name two persons in the title of the last recorded song in the Bible. A new song. The Lamb and the Bride. The Twenty-four elders. Great and marvelous are your works, just and true are your ways. Those are the words of the song. All right, and they sang the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Moses made it there. The song of Moses and the Lamb. So that Exodus chapter 15, from Exodus all the way back to Revelation. Very great song. So Moses, this guy, we are trying to talk about him. Women in his life. So before we get to him, I asked my niece and nephew, one or two words to describe a good mother. They gave me theirs. What is yours? What's that? Ancient. 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 I mean a good mother. <laughs> Ancient. Patient. Patient. Okay. Patient. Okay. Uh, sorry, my ears. I, I, uh, okay. Patient. All right. A good mother is patient. What else? Your word, they gave me theirs. Loving. Loving. That's what they told me. Selfless. Selfless. That's a good word. Sleep. Sleep, <laughs> Sleep deprived and probably tired. <laughs> what else? Tough. Tough. All right, I have mine. <laughs> Giving. They give. Tirelessly. I see my wife dusting from morning till evening, always on her feet, and she's going. They give so many things from conception to birth, nourishment, attention, all of this giving. And sometimes it's like, you know, robots, you know, they are tired, but they are still going. The thing needs to be done. And the baby has no clue what's going on. That's my own description of a good mom. So, and we want to say thank you. When you are tired, when you are exhausted, when you don't feel like doing it, you are still going and you are doing it. You are giving when you feel sleep deprived and you are worn out, when your mind and your body, they're not even connecting, they're just going. And so I put this up here because I want children to think that, you know, to know that their mothers give a lot to them. And sometimes we take this for granted. Sometimes we do take this for granted. They give their cars, they give allowances, do laundry, bannered, head, head cut, and all of these things. Sometimes spanking as well, which is part of the deal. So they give all of this. So we want to say thank you to mothers. And um, six courageous women 
in Moses' life. The midwives. Shipra and Paul. Moses' adopted mother, Pharaoh's daughter. Moses' sister, Miriam. His birth mother, Jacobed, and Zipporah. <clears throat> so I'm going to talk about this. So that means I'm going to read a, quite a few scriptures and then we are going to move quite fast. They all contributed to Moses. All of them. And so let's begin by noting that historically, there was um, farming in the world, the known world then. And, you know, Joseph was the man God used to make sure that things work out well. And he ultimately became the prime minister and all the sons of Israel went to Egypt. And they were living there and they grew. Israel being Jacob. Now, we read these words. Eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. Notice this. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them out with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Python and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians walked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the field. They were ruthless in all their demands. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Paul. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. Notice this. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this? He demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. So God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then a new mandate came in. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, this time to all his people. Throw every newborn boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls 
liv. Sipra and Paul, midwives. They were given commands by the king order to kill helpless Hebrew baby boys because the king was afraid that they would multiply. It's amazing what fear can drive people to do. But the midwives, we don't know whether they were Egyptians or Hebrew people. It's not clear from the Bible whether they were Hebrew by birth or whether they were Egyptians. All we know is that they were the midwives. So they could have been Hebrew people or they could have been Egyptians. They disobeyed the king's orders. Why? We are told it's because they feared God and they realized that every life is precious. Because every life is made in the image of God. And so you don't have the mandate to kill. Regardless of who gives the order. In our modern world, we have fanciful ways of making it look good or making it look right. It was wrong then, it's still wrong now. We must work hard to preserve lives. These midwives, we are not sure that they were Hebrew. But they realize that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And so they let the baby live. Now, you need to realize that this midwife gave Moses a start in life. If they had killed him, there would be no such discussion today about Moses. But they gave him a start. So that's important. So we must think of lives as precious because we are all created in the image of God from conception onwards. And we must make every effort to recognize that, that all lives are precious. That's important. In my headspace, it doesn't matter how it is couched. Even if we couch it to sound nice, oh, you know, your life will be disoriented if you don't get rid of that child. No, lives don't get disoriented. Lives get enhanced because you get into certain realms or qualities of life that you never imagined you will have. So keep that in mind. So let's move on. Exodus chapter 2. So those midwives, because of their act, because they feared God, Moses had a start in life. I call them professional women. And all professional women, when you come in contact with children, make sure you treat them with dignity and with respect. All right. Or professional men as well, or anybody for that matter. Make sure you are nice to women, children. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. This is Moses' mother and father. After the king had made his decree, they got married and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Notice the emphasis. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. 
But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Her sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to birth and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slaves to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying. That's what babies do. We must learn to be comfortable when babies are crying. No, that's, that's what they do. So I'm, I'm, that's a message to all of us here. When babies crawl here and then they cry, just suck it up and keep going. That's what they do. So babies cry and it's lovely that they cry. Because if they don't cry, we might wonder, I hope everything is okay. All right. So he was crying. And she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrews' babies, she said. Yes, she realized, hmm, my dad or my brother, depending on who he was, I will assume it's her dad, gave orders for these kids to be drowned, and the baby is crying. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, the sister of the baby that is crying, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrews women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me. And I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. That's how he got his name, from Pharaoh's daughter. So let's think of Pharaoh's daughter, a princess, Egyptian princess. Did you notice that she disobeyed Pharaoh's orders to drown Hebrew helpless baby boys. Why? Because the baby was crying. And she felt sorry for him. She had compassion on the baby. I'm sure you don't give a lot of credit to her, but she disobeyed her dad. And uh, <laughs> those days, Kings do kill their daughters and their sons. So she took a risk to disobey him and save the life of Moses. She adopted Moses as her son and raised him in the palace. It's good to trust God. So she raised him in the palace. She gave Moses a very rich Egyptian upbringing. You can't say that Moses wasn't rich. 
he was exceedingly rich. In fact, the next verse in Acts chapter 7, verses 17 to 25, I've highlighted a few lines there because there's a promise here that God made to Abraham long before the arrival of Moses on the scene. God had made a promise. But I want to read this, verse 21. And after he had been put outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and nurtured him as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he was proficient in speaking and actions. He was well educated. He was raised in the palace, given the best education, given the best exposure. He understood everything that needed to be understood about Egypt. Because of Pharaoh's daughter. So, I will say that she gave him a rich Egyptian heritage. She helped to ensure that the child lived. Now, I've ordered the names in a certain order. Normally, you will expect that the next person will be his mother. But because I'm heading towards Mother's Day, I have to reject the order, right? Let's move on. Miriam. We have one saving life right now in Africa. And we have one right there. Moses' sister. In Exodus 5 to 8, we read, her sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went to the Nile to bed and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slaves to get it. She opened it and saw the baby he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrews' babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter. Notice, it is Miriam that asked her, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She didn't ask her, what do you think? She told her the program. Should I go and get somebody to nurse the baby for you? You can own her, own him if you want, but I, I can get somebody for you. She stepped in at the right time. And she was probably between eight to ten years when she stepped in. Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. A babysitter. Eight to ten years old. Wise use of the tongue, timely intervention. She essentially just walked up to the woman as she was watching the baby cry. I can get, right now, I can go and get you a nurse. And you can take the baby after it's raised. It was all Miriam. Appropriate use of her tongue. She shows up three times in scriptures. And each of those times, her tongue 
her tongue. On two occasions, they are great. On one occasion, not so great. Because it's Mother's Day today, the not so great will not be, men- will be, me- will not be mentioned. Numbers chapter 12, you can read it. Numbers chapter 12. She was a catalyst of Moses' godly bringing. You see, if Miriam had not stepped in, unless say Pharaoh's daughter had compassion on the child and took the child, Moses would have only been raised in the Egyptian palace. She stepped in and said, I can get you a woman to nurse the child so that he will be brought up in the way of the Jews, so to speak. So, I call her the catalyst. And she's also a partner in Moses' ministry. Exodus 15 tells us that when they cross the Red Sea, you read the song, the song of the Lord, the Lord did this, the Lord did this, the Lord did this. And then we are told, Miriam took the tambourine, tambourine and took the women and started dancing. Did you know that? She, she, she godly dance. There's such a thing as godly dance. Right. So she took the tambourine and then started dancing and praising God. Partner in ministry. I believe in Micah chapter 6 verse 4, she's mentioned as one of the three that God sent to deliver the Israelites. Miriam, Aaron, and Moses. So she supported her brother and she was partner in ministry. She was the catalyst in Moses' upbringing. Jacobet, the mother. Hmm. I call her the facilitator of Moses' godly upbringing. That's what I call her. It was very important that Moses was brought up in a godly way. Very important. Let's read. Courageous protection. That's the first title. Three C's in this section. John Mackin. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. I want to suggest to you that when she disobeyed the king, she was risking her life. She could have been caught, she could have been killed. But she was not willing to kill him or to drown him. Mothers are never willing to kill their babies. So she kept him for three months. And we are told in Hebrews, by faith, Moses' parents, with the support of her husband, hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edicts. They've always been godless laws and there will be more. We must be bold when an edict or an order violates the scriptures. She wasn't afraid. They hid him for three months. 
Not only that, she had a creative scheme. I don't believe that she put all of that stuff together without maybe first studying, where can I place this child so that at least somebody important will see him. So we read, but when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. I do not believe that she hid him for three months. She put him in a basket, hoping that that would be the end and that he would be killed. I believe she believed that something will happen. That's why she went to all the length to coat the basket to put the child and put it there. So she was trusting God to intervene and that's why she sent her daughter. So she sent her daughter to look after the child. And the Lord intervened. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. Friends, I want to suggest to you that the three to five years that she had with him, she rammed the word of God into his mind. She spent all her time, all her focus on him, telling him about his heritage, telling him about where he belongs, telling him everything that she could because she knew she had only a very short time a very short window to give him the word of God. In fact, I'd like to suggest to you, if you have time, if you go to Exodus chapter 3, you will realize that as soon as that chapter opens, he said, now Moses went out and discovered that one of his people, the Israelites, he just left the palace, and the first thing he realized, I don't belong here. Even though I've been given all these riches and all this wealth, I'm different. So she must have given him concentrated spiritual nurture and hope. And then she handed him over to Pharaoh's daughter to raise. So courageous protection, creative schemes, and concentrated spiritual blessings. So results of Moses' godly upbringing. This is one of those verses that has stuck with me for a long time. Let's read. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 to 26, by faith. Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. I told you that he grew up in the palace. So he had all the wealth, all the blessings of the palace. By all accounts, you will call him a prince. And given all the luxury in the palace, you would think that was satisfying. Why go on? But when he was grown up, he had to make choices. Because in life there is always choice. Mistreatment with the people of God or pleasure of sin. 
Those were the options. He chose mistreatment. Disgrace for Christ versus treasures of Egypt. He chose disgrace for Christ as opposed to treasures. Eternal reward versus temporary reward. He chose eternal reward versus temporary reward. Where do you think he got the idea that it is better to be mistreated with the people of God to suffer or be disgraced for being a Christian, so to speak, for Christ, and to look forward to eternal reward. Where do you think he got those ideas? I am suggesting to you five years. So never underestimate the importance of teaching your child, your children, the word of God. And living it out. His parents were courageous, and he too was courageous. You know, in a world, we make choices. We have to choose. Pleasure of sin, treasures of Egypt, temporary reward. We have to choose whom we are going to please and who is going to be our master. Let me suggest to you that these choices in a world today, they're not cool. They're not the choices that most people will make. In fact, most will call him stupid. How can you leave all of that? You're supposed to be the next prince. No, he said, mistreatment with the people of God is better than pleasure of sin. Disgrace for Christ is better than treasures of Egypt. An eternal reward is better than temporary reward. That was because his mother gave him an uh, godly bringing, or his parents. All right. Um, Zipporah, if I was to ask you, what role do you think she played in Moses' life? Will you be able to point me to one? What did she do? She did what? Circumcise the son. Sounds like a She saved Moses from the wrath of God. Wonderful, wonderful. So here Moses was in Midian and he was going to go back to rescue the people. God has given him instruction. Moses had seen the burning bush. Moses was all set to go back. Right? And he went to his father-in-law and said, I'm going back. Let me go back to Rescue my people. And his father-in-law said, go. And God, God is interesting. And that night, let's read. On the way to Egypt, at the place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. But Moses' wife, you see, but. But Moses' wife, Zipporah took a flint knife and circumcised her son. She touched his feet with the foreskin and said, now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. When she said a bridegroom of blood, she was referring to the circumcision. After that, the Lord left him alone. Zipporah. Yeah, go back to read Numbers chapter 12. Put it in your mind, read. 
saved Moses' life and ministry by circumcising our children. I suggest to you that Moses knew that this was the right thing to do, but he didn't do it. And God would have taken him out before his ministry started. And his wife stepped in. Wonderful wives. They always step in. So guys, don't underestimate your wives. Say thank you to them. Timely intervention and support. She's not mentioned anywhere else. But do you think Moses was able to execute the task without the support of his wife? <laughs> if, you do, if you think that way, you haven't been married for a long time. Things, I, I met a young man that, that, I, that, uh, that I worked with a while back. He, he came to do co-op and he told me that his dad told him something. That his dad told him, Happy wife means happy life. So he said, uh, Mr. Eckman, Dr. Eckman, you have to keep that in mind. Happy wife equals happy wife, happy life. If the wife is not happy, that's all that I have to say. <laughs> so she saved his life. And so let's get into some lessons and wrap up. A few that I want to highlight in this message today. God is in control and nothing can disrupt his plan. God promised Abraham that the Israelites would be delivered. And the timing was getting right. In, and that's what happened. Next. I want you to also remember that God is in control of the past, the present, with all the COVID mandates and non-mandates and the future. And so we can rest assured that he is in control. He used the Nile River that was meant for death to deliver Moses. He used the man named drawn out to draw out the Israelites from Egypt. He placed a child that was condemned by the palace in the palace and make sure that he was given the best treatment and he used him to deliver his people so God is in control regardless of how we feel things are getting out of control the Lord himself is in control every life or child is precious always is and must be protected every life every life is we have no idea what a child will become or how God will use a child. So, every life is precious and must be protected. And God can use anybody to frustrate the plans of tyrants. We should never lose sight of the fact that every king or ruler that has ever lived always thinks that we are running the show. There's only one person that is running the show. God. And God can use anybody. He used the midwives. He used Pharaoh's daughter. He used a little girl, babysitter, Miriam. He used the, um, 
Jacob, Moses' mother and parent. He can use anybody. So you should be available because he may use you. Never underestimate the impact of godly parenting. The problem with parenting is that you don't see the outcome now. So you think, oh, I'm just doing all of this and I'm not seeing any result. The impact of Moses of five years exposure was not seen until 40 years later. When he showed up on the scene. So never underestimate the impact of godly parenting. That's an advice to all of us, all of us parents. Let's instill godliness into our children. By living it out, by proclaiming it, by showing it to them. Moses knew that his parents were courageous. And that's how he became courageous. Thank you, moms. I put in all of that, you know, just to say thank you. For time. A lot of time spent. Tired, right? <laughs> sacrifices. So much sacrifices. Flexibility. I remember when my wife showed up here and then said, I'm supposed to walk, and I said, no, you're supposed to homeschool. <coughs> With a PhD, homeschool? I said, yeah. And then I said, you have a PhD, and then you go out, and maybe you teach other people's children. How about you teach the ones at home? So she pocketed her PhD and started at home. It's a lot of sacrifice, and there was a lot of voices from Nigeria saying, how could you be so stupid? How, and all of that. So, flexibility. I am usually very rigid. If you know, most engineers have one track mind. We see the tunnel, and then we want to go. Somebody has to be flexible. So all kinds of flexibility and sacrifices. So I want to say thank you to all the moms. And I put this down so that the children in the background will go home, hug their moms, and thank them. That's why I put it there. Because our moms have made our lives very rewarding. Because of our moms, we've been blessed. Happy Mother's Day. Maranatha, let's pray and let's sing. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be here this morning. I pray you bless our moms, our wives, our sisters, our professional women, all of these people that make our lives meaningful and help us to enjoy life. I ask for much grace that, Lord, you will bless them and encourage them in their struggle. And I pray for those that don't know the Lord, that, Lord, you open their eyes and cause them to be born again. Thank you for Jesus Christ, our great Savior. Help us to love him more. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.